The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Women's Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericawomen.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to Leadership Stars. In this episode, I have a woman who I am totally impressed with. Um, she's done so much in such a very short period of time. She um, is a survivor of the Ohio Juvenile Justice and Foster Care System. And from that, she really has grown to be a phenomenal woman. She went to the Berkeley School of Law. She got a JD. She's got a master's degree. She was a criminal defender in San Francisco. Um, and in, since 2004, she's been the Northern California super lawyer. From 2007 to 2016, she served in the leadership of the San Francisco Lawyers Committee on Civil Rights, which is really her passion. And then in 2016, she was elected to the Alameda County Democratic Party Central Committee. And now she's running for something else as well. And I'd like you to welcome the phenomenal Pamela Price. Pamela, welcome. Thank you so much, Linda. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm delighted to have you here. And Pamela, what I'd like to do, at least at this first segment, is to talk about your inspiration. Who inspired you to really go through the things that you went through, come out and be such a superstar? Oh, I've been inspired by many people, and and I've... I understand we want to focus on the women in the world who have inspired me, and and some of them are still with us, and others are historical figures. I think my major inspirational uh, woman is Ida B. Wells Barnett, who was a freedom fighter and activist, uh, one of the original founders of the uh, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, one of the original uh, women involved in um, obtaining, fighting for rights for women. Uh, she was just an amazing woman who grew from a girl, much as, as I did, from some very, very challenging circumstances to someone who was able to change the world. So I'm always thinking about what would Ida do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So she was one, and then Coretta Scott King, who also uh, was a phenomenal woman in her own right, and then obviously became the major supporter of her husband, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, and then after his assassination, the one who kept the dream alive and who was unbowed in her commitment to advancing human rights for all people um, and and continued throughout her life to be engaged in that journey um, and in that fight. 
So she was incredibly inspirational to me. There have been lots of people like that. In the political realm, uh, Shirley Chisholm uh, broke down Mm -hmm. so many barriers and was, you know, as they say, unbought and unbossed. And she just had to be a woman of tremendous courage and character to do the things that she was able to do and open the doors that she opened for so many other women. That's they're amazing women, and I I know all of them. I didn't know about Ida Wells um, Barnett. She's one who is not on my radar, but now I will take some time and do some research on her. Uh, great, sounds great. fantastic. So their lives, their experiences. How has that impacted you, and where you've gone in your life so far? Well, I think um, the for from Ida B. Wells's life, I take the fact that it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you end up. Um, she was a young woman who had to educate herself, basically, and, and her parents died at a young age, and so she had to take responsibility for raising uh, her siblings, and mm-hmm. she educated them at, at a time when, you know, we were barely the country was barely past slavery. And so she began early in life having to take on a lot of responsibility um, and not be blocked by the, the, or bound by the social times and the economic challenges and, and the legal barriers. She was the first woman to actually sue because she was not allowed to sit in a in the whites only part of the train, she got thrown off of a train. Literally, physically oh, no. thrown off of a train because she refused to give up her seat on the train to a white man. And um, she got she sued and she won in the lower court. And then that wow. got overturned on appeal. But obviously, this was a formidable woman who started, you know, very with nothing in life but her will and her grit and her desire to serve other people. And so that, to me, is just an amazing, um, you know, legacy and and lesson to be learned in life. And then Coretta Scott King, I mean, I felt her pain, although, you know, I didn't know Dr. Mm -hmm. King. I could only, I remember just thinking this woman has now lost her husband and she has four children and she's got to figure out how to make it in this awful, awful time in this awful world. And she did. Um, Mm -hmm. She kept it together. She raised her kids. She kept her husband's legacy going. She advanced that legacy. She created the Martin Luther King Center um, and just uh, was so amazing that out of, what seemed to be a defeating moment, uh, she triumphed. And so I, I draw strength from those kinds of experiences that those women went through. And, Pamela, I think it's really interesting that you know, they they were such powerful leaders at a time when women were not in leadership roles, and yet exactly. they had the courage to step into leadership as they needed to. I've been reading recently about um, the freedom rides that were made from Washington, D.C. down to the south and some of the challenges that they had in little towns like Anniston, Alabama, uh, mm-hmm. where you would think that there wouldn't be a whole lot of problems and yet they burned the bus and you know, basically moved the people in such a way that they could not continue their freedom ride. And I remember those days, but 
it didn't have that same kind of impact on me as mm-hmm. I'm sure it would have on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, you and, know, women have not been, we don't, we're not afraid to step into leadership. We're often told that it's not appropriate, uh, that, you know, you're not ready and let the man do it. I remember being in junior high or in high school. I was going to run for president of the senior class, and I was told, no, no, you can't do that. We need to have a man <laughs> run. I'm serious. And they did. Oh, they made oh, me I know. step down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I totally know that. And I think because of how we've been rebuffed in the leadership roles, that we tend to hang back. We tend to say, well, you know, if I don't have 99% of what it takes to do this, I'm not even going to step in and try. Um, and you're right. They often over, even today, they still overlook us because we don't step in and say, I can do this. Um, and I think that's just a real shame. What I, I love, there's a story about um, Dr. King and his famous I Have a Dream speech and the fact that all of his male uh, advisors said, oh, oh, Martin, don't do that. No, no, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear something else, but they don't want to hear that. And he got up and he was literally standing on the, on the, the balcony, poised, and he didn't know what to say. And Mahalia Jackson, another yeah. powerful woman, steps That's up her. and, and totally. says, yeah. Martin, Tell them your dream. Yes. And I, I think that's, again, someone who took, took the, the challenge to, to step into leadership. And audience, I want you to hear what Ida uh, Bell said about it's not where you start that's important. It's where you end up. So yeah. stepping into those challenges, stepping into leadership, recognizing where your talents are needed and being there. And I think that's just really incredible. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, so you started out in the civil rights arena. That was your um, specialty as a, an attorney. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what, what kinds of advances have you been able to realize because of what you've done? Sure. Well, let me say, I started off doing criminal defense work in San Francisco in Bayview Hunters Point, um, and then I became a civil lawyer, a civil litigator, and I was actually mm-hmm. trained in civil litigation. Uh, and then in 1991, I decided to start my own uh, small firm, and I Intended to do a few civil rights cases, uh, but yeah. you know, practice some other things as well. Well, <laughs> the need, <laughs> the need was so great that I quickly, my practice quickly became overwhelmed. Within the first two years, we were doing primarily civil rights litigation, and we did sexual harassment cases. Uh, we did retaliation cases, mainly in employment. Uh, mm-hmm. We did discrimination cases, but we had some significant cases in education. We were able to argue, work on, and and actually come to um, an agreement in one of the first sexual harassment cases under education. We established in a little case called Patricia H. Uh, versus Berkeley Unified School District that oh, wow. it is a, that sexual harassment can create a hostile uh, environment for a student. Um, and in that case, the uh, students had been uh, sexually molested by one of the um, 
in faculty at Berkeley High School. And so that oh, case wow. was important for me, both as an advocate on behalf of folks locally, but it ultimately had a national impact because it it formed the foundation for then a whole slew of cases that went across the country that, that established the same principle that you could, prior to that, it was just you had the law of sexual harassment was limited to what we call quid pro quo, you know, a bargaining mm-hmm. situation. But after the Patricia H. case, the law developed into the hostile uh, uh, environment arena. Um, and so that was wonderful to be a part of that. And then I also was able to argue a case uh, involving racial harassment, involving black men working at the Amtrak yard in Oakland. That mm-hmm. case went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And I had an opportunity to argue the case in the Supreme Court. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, how did you feel? Dreams. How did you <laughs> Yeah. How did you feel as a woman standing up in front of the justices of the Supreme Court and arguing a case on um, racial harassment? Oh, very excited. (laughs) Very excited. (laughs) And and many people don't realize, lawyers know, but we... The law of sexual harassment came from the law of racial harassment. The first cases weren't about sex. They were about race. And the entire theory that has come about for uh, racial, for sexual harassment actually is rooted in the law of racial harassment. It's rooted in housing law. Um, And so those things are all, for me as a lawyer, it's just one big, you know, pot that I get to pull from. And particularly as a black woman, I understand the intersectionality between sexual harassment and racial harassment. Most of the women who uh, who were involved and advocated and stood up as plaintiffs in the first sexual harassment cases were black women. Mm, That's always been part of our experience, unfortunately. So as an African-American woman standing up in front of the Supreme Court to argue on behalf of black workers at the Oakland Yard, I was in seventh heaven. And I have to tell you, my biggest uh, assistance in that argument came from Justice Ruth Ginsburg. <laughs> oh, how <laughs> wonderful. So I guess the question oh, is, did you win? She loved the fact that there was a black woman arguing that case in front of them. And we and, won, by the way. <laughs> and and um, was it 100% or what was the, the breakdown between the justices? Oh, no. It was a 5-4 decision. As you Ooh. may know, for many decades now, we've had 5-4 decisions, and you just have to count your votes and know who is going to stand with you and who is not. And so I, I counted five votes, and I got five votes. Awesome. And that's sort of true, however you litigate, it, is that, you know, especially in criminal trials, you need all 100% to say they're guilty, but in civil cases, it's again the uh, the majority. Um, it's not a hundred percent, and so it's very important to know who who's on your side and who's not, and then who's sort of sitting on the fence. And how do I influence them to move towards the yes, I want to do this, right? That's true in state court. It is not true in federal court. In federal court, the, the where yeah. most of my practice was, the jury verdict does have yeah. to be unanimous. Really? Is it a smaller it, jury? I'm just curious. 
Yes, it is. It's generally a smaller jury. It can, it's rarely more than eight or nine people. Usually it's six okay. or seven. Um, okay. But it could be eight or nine, and yes, they have to be unanimous. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Have you ever used a jury consultant? Yes, I have. Uh-huh. Yeah. To, to help you read the jury. Okay, on that note, um, we're going to take a quick break here, and I want you to think about all this, the information that Pamela's has given us so far about racial harassment, sexual harassment, and the power of women in making change around both of those areas, and we'll be right back. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. Let leadership expert Linda Patton be your guide to uncovering the leader that lives within you and that you are meant to be. Through her signature training programs and workshops, Linda takes you every step of the way to help you tap into your personal leadership power, design a clear vision, build a loyal, effective team, and create a practical plan to make your dream come true. Get started now by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Dream with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, Dream with Linda.com. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. Today I'm speaking to a most inspirational and powerful woman who is also a delight to be around, um, Pamela Price. And Pamela, welcome back. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. 
Okay. Where, where I sort of wanted to move, we, we were talking about your, your law career and the phenomenal work that you did in civil rights um, and the things you were able to do, even with the Supreme Court, which I think is, is great. Um, my husband does have the right to argue with the Supreme Court, but ha- the case did, ended up not having to go that far. Um, so I was disappointed because I really wanted to see him argue. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but you've moved from that arena, the, the legal arena, into the political arena. And tell us about that shift. Sure. In 2014, I decided to throw my hat into the race for state assembly because I felt that I looked at the field of candidates, and and there was one woman in the race, but otherwise it was all men. And Mm -hmm. even though that one woman was there was a lawyer, I felt that the issues that I saw in terms of legal, the legal impact and the legal system there was no discussion going on. I thought that the conversation, I got into the race to change the conversation and to win, by the way. But yes. also it was, it was exceptional. What motivated me was that I wanted to see people talking about issues that were impacting um, the community. I wanted to see a conversation about gun violence and how mm. pervasive that was in the Bay Area. I wanted to see a conversation about how education Education is a game changer and what we need to do to reduce the dropout, the high school dropout rates and the challenges that young people are facing just getting through high school, much less getting to college. Um, I wanted to change that conversation. There was a lot that was not being talked about that I felt was really important. Um, and so I got into the race and was persuaded also by the fact that the lack of diversity was so great. There were, uh, we've seen a decline in the number of women coming into the state legislature, a consistent decline, as well as a very small number of African Americans in the state legislature. And so, once again, being a twofer, as we used to say, and having that intersectionality, I understood that I was in a unique position to step forward. And also, having lived throughout that uh, assembly district, I felt. Um, qualified to represent the interests of both the Oakland, the Alameda side, which is Oakland, Berkeley, but also the mm-hmm. Contra Costa side, which is all of West County um, through El Cerrito and Kensington. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got into the race for a lot of what I thought were good reasons. The voters seemed to agree, but I wasn't in the top two. Um, and so but I learned from that experience, and, and I heard Jackie Spears, uh, who's an awesome, awesome representative and who I had followed for a number of years, and she talked about how many times she lost before she won. And so I understood that the fact that I lost didn't mean that I, I wasn't a good candidate or somebody right. that I didn't have much to offer to the community. It was just not the right time. Um, and so I kept my head into it. And in many ways, I said to people, well, now that I've done this, running for office expands you in ways that you didn't really know or anticipate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my way of describing it was now the genie's out of the bottle, right? Or that <laughs> Jack is out of the box and I can't go back into that box where I was as a lawyer. Um and so I, I got engaged in that and have been in it ever since. 
So you've been in the political arena since 2014. Um, yeah. And when you aren't running, what, what were you doing within the politics of your area? Um, I was being um, listening to people, organizing people. Mm-hmm. I became active in a number of organizations, focusing on housing issues in Oakland. I organized women around that, a women's group to talk about what what are our concerns, women in politics, and the number one concern was housing and the the housing mm-hmm. crisis that we've now that we've seen continue to grow unabated, out of control. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the number one issue in West Contra Costa County. I was very active over there and, and seeing the development of racial justice issues over there. Um, and then um, being in, involved in uh, sex trafficking and fighting, uh, we got in very active around the uh, local uh, law enforcement engaging in sex trafficking in the Bay Area and advocating on behalf of women, and our voices need to be heard on that issue in ways that that I I felt uh, the voices of women were not being held with respect to the experience of the police and the young woman that was being um, trafficked. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. Uh, You you know about sex trafficking in large uh, urban areas like here, but I was really surprised. I was uh, back east with my daughter, and there were billboards all over this town about sex trafficking. And I don't particularly see a, a town like Greenville, uh, South Carolina, as being a huge urban area. It's not like New York or San Francisco or Chicago. And so it was a surprise that they were that visible about that issue. Um, I don't see that visibility like here or in L.A. or anything along those lines. Why do you think that is? Sex, it's it's no secret now that sex trafficking and human trafficking is billion multi billion dollar business. It's mm-hmm. a business, and it's not a local problem by any stretch of the imagination. It's have when you see a young girl on the street in Oakland or Richmond or anywhere in in the Bay Area, you should not presume that she's from the Bay Area. She could be from North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida. Um, Women are being trafficked uh, all over the world. And mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, a very frightening phenomenon for a family when your daughter disappears. And I see, you know, we look for these children locally, but they, they're probably not here. They're probably right. gone already. They've been shipped out of the country even uh, mm-hmm. to these pornographic centers all around the world. Uh, so it's a very, it is an out-of-control ph- phenomenon that will, really needs to be addressed both locally and nationally. Mm-hmm. Are, are, just out of curiosity, are we, are we seeing this at all with um, young young men as well, or is it just women? It's young men as well. It's a billion-dollar business, so it has, yeah. you know, different aspects of it. But the majority of the victims are women, girls, and women and girls of color. Is is there any way that you can think of that we can be, as a woman, m- more attuned to sort of what's going on around you, and so that you know we we can perhaps reduce the number of opportunities that they have to take our girls. 
I, I think it is about being more attuned, but it's also about being more engaged. I think that mm. we've lost a lot of what has happened where, and I, my experience as a young girl was that, um, you know, I could, when I see these young women, I know that they're for the grace of God, go I. And for me, what it was was women in my community who kept their hands on me, that they mm. stayed engaged with me. So I think as women, what we not only have to do is be conscious, but we need to be engaged with young women. Young women need to know that they have other choices, that they have other options, that there are people that care about them. And if they're in a situation where they're trapped, that there are people that they can go to that will help them get out of that situation. And and equally important that they don't have to be it's, that they don't they're the limitations that they see that they want to do, that might lead them to engage in that lifestyle that that's not those aren't your only choices uh, because yeah, we know young girls make choices and they make dumb choices I spent years making dumb choices <laughs> as a young woman right yeah. You know, and it's hard because girls in particular, we as we grow, we reject the, the, a lot of girls reject the teaching and the influence of their mother. So they need the influence of another woman. Right, and I think that's so true. I, I know, uh, and my girls will admit this, that from about age 13 to 25, I knew nothing. And my, you know, my advice didn't matter and that kind of thing. And I think you're right. Having another woman, a strong woman who can help them with those choices and keep them, I don't want to say on the straight and narrow, but at least going in a direction that's positive, uh, I think is very, very, very important. So audience, what you're hearing is that we, as women especially, need to engage these young women and to help them to develop good choices as opposed to the choices that would take them into a lifestyle that it will not lead to a, a, a really positive life, even though it, lo- right. it can look really, really positive. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Um, As a young woman, you have no idea of the danger you're in. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. It's a beautiful world, but it's also a dangerous world. And and the other piece of it is understanding as and as a more mature woman, that a young girl is going to make some bad decisions, and that does not, and I tell young people all the time, in the worst of circumstances, this is only a moment in time. You may have made a mistake. You may be on a completely wrong direction, or your life can be completely upside down, but because you're a young person, this is not the end of the world for you. This is not the end of the line. This is just a moment in time. Yeah, and you need it's to just be a, able to it's a way talk to somebody who can show you what the next moment looks like. You know, young people have no capacity. If you had told me in 1974 that by 1984 I would be a practicing attorney, I, that was incredible. To I never would have believed that. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's a ten year span that you know most of us as you get older it's like okay that's ten years but right. for a young person you have no idea that that ten years is could be your life could completely change and, and I think that's the power of you know having advocates having mentors having people who care about you um, being right. able to make those wise choices um, I think is just incredible 
and so and it goes back to Ida Bell's um, quote, which was, you know, it's not how important it's not as important of where you're starting. What's important, what matters, is where you end up. And so, making wise choices, you're you're going to make mistakes. It's part of the human condition, and yeah, it's right. what you do with that. Um, and I love the fact that you. Um, you know, these women will be helping them to make wise choices that they have a place to call. One of the things I think that worries me as well is that we become so, I don't want to say digital, but we're so attached to our phones and the mm-hmm. texting capability of the phone that having those face-to-face conversations are not happening. And I think that the one that really struck me, and I've said this before, is the uh, suicide hotlines now have a texting unit because wow. the young people won't call in, but they'll text in. Yeah, it's like what right what's thing. sort of happened to that uh, that that connection. So, do you have any thoughts around that? Well, I, I had I wasn't aware of that, but I think that's a little frightening because it is true that our children text, our grandchildren text. They don't talk. <laughs> they don't answer right. their yes. phones. They text, and, yes. and you know, often it's not unusual that you call someone's phone and they say, "I'm not answering this phone. If you want to reach me, you need to text me." Um, yeah. And you know, obviously, it's a way. It's a tool of communication, which is. I use quite often, and it is a very mm-hmm. helpful tool. It is not one that fosters human contact. And for someone who is considering suicide, they need to be in contact with another human being. And the texting, I would say, text me the number where I can call you <laughs> because right, we need exactly, to talk, yeah. right? We really need to talk about what you're going through and uh, what how to bring perspective to that situation. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get that from a text. I agree. And, and of course, with spell check and, and auto auto's correction, you get some really interesting messages when, um, <laughs> when, you, when you text. Yeah. But, I, you know, again, this is sort of the, the way of the younger generation that, you know, this is how they communicate. Um, this is the the type of, relationships that they want to have. And I find that really strange. Again, I mentioned this before, but um, we were sitting in a restaurant and there was a couple sitting next to us, young young people, probably in their late 20s, maybe even early 30s, and they were both on their phones and they were texting. But what was really frightening was that they were texting each other. (gasps) And it's like, I'm sorry, you can't have a conversation even in a restaurant when you're on a date? Come on. Um, you know, we. I'll be honest. I think some of these people have a, more of a conversation with their animals, their dogs, their cats, whatever, <laughs> their fish, than they have with each other. And that's just really, really strikingly. So, yeah. Pamela, you're running for, for office right now. Tell us what that office is. I'm running for Alameda County District Attorney. Ooh. So you're stepping back into your roots. I am. I really am. It's a full circle for me. I started doing criminal law. I understand the culture of the criminal justice system. When I was in law school, I spent a lot of time uh, looking at criminal justice issues. So it really is full circle for me. Okay. And when we come back, we're going to dig a little deeper into that full circle 
And in the meantime, I want you to think about how you can engage with a younger woman this week. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. Let leadership expert Linda Patton be your guide to uncovering the leader that lives within you and that you are meant to be. Through her signature training programs and workshops, Linda takes you every step of the way to help you tap into your personal leadership power, design a clear vision, build a loyal, effective team, and create a practical plan to make your dream come true. Get started now by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Voice America Women's Channel. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I'm with my phenomenal, awesome guest, Pamela Price. We've been talking about what women inspired her, as well as how do you step into politics? And she's done an awesome job of stepping in. And Pam, one of, Pamela, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, do you think that the loss in 2014 might have been about visibility? Um, I think it was, it's always about visibility. As women, mm-hmm. we 
don't appreciate that, you know, you have to have all this focus on you. <laughs> right. And so, you know, we tend to support people, and that's been, you know, even though I've been out there and a successful businesswoman, I didn't spend a lot of time focusing attention on me. Uh, and so when I stepped out of the legal world into the political world, those are two different worlds. And right. people said, well, yes, everyone knows you as the super lawyer and lawyer of the year and da-da-da-da-da, but in politics, no one knows who you are. So it is about, um, it, you have to, in politics, it's about name recognition and money. Mm-hmm. So okay. that, uh, those, that's the lesson I learned from 2014. So you are obviously being much more visible in the community, also on social media? Yes, yes. Social media is is an incredible tool and makes a huge difference in uh, one's access to the the voting public. Mm -hmm. And I I find it interesting, Pamela, that you started out with what I would consider a larger political position um, by being in the state assembly. And this time you're stepping back, well, I would say stepping back, uh, into the DA position in Alameda. Um, what made you make that change and not try to well, win? Well, as I advised you, I, I became involved in the community more after um, the 2014 race, looking at how I could be helpful, what issues were, in fact, uh, that we could be involved in that would make a difference. Um, Mm -hmm. And this issue of sex trafficking became something that was really, um, I was very concerned about, and I think all of us were shocked and stunned to learn that there was this huge uh, ring of law enforcement officers that were involved in sex trafficking. And obviously, the for me as a lawyer, I know that when you have one victim, you got a lot of victims. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. not just dealing with one person. This, if this is happening at this scale to this person who's now had the courage to talk about it, it's yeah. happening to a lot of people. Um, and so, as I said, the voice of women was not being heard. This young woman was being held out as as some kind of, basically, as a prostitute who had entrapped the police. And I Ooh. thought, this is crazy. This is a child who was sex trafficked, <laughs> and we need to talk about this differently. And so I... I got into that conversation and wanted people to have that conversation. And I wanted to see accountability, not only for the officers, but I wanted to see transparency in how this issue was going to be addressed. So I was advocating um, on behalf of the community around those issues. And I saw that the uh, law enforcement community, which included the district attorney, was not being transparent about it. and the political establishment was not being transparent about it, and there was a lot wrong with what was happening in that situation. At the same time, I got involved in the fight to 
call for the resignation of the district attorney in Contra Costa County because that mm-hmm. was a totally uh, blatantly corrupt situation where the district attorney had embezzled $66,000 from his Ooh. campaign account and thought that it was appropriate for him to just apologize while he was <laughs> prosecuting women and, you know, younger women for, you know, stealing $99, right? Oh, my God, <laughs> yes. Charging them with felonies. So there was just so much inequity in the situations, both in Alameda and Contra Costa, that I was then became focused on prosecutorial accountability. And from that, it was a very short <laughs> kind of road to cross to be asked, why don't you run for district attorney? And not having a good reason to say no because I think that it is appropriate for someone who has had my experience um, and my skills to, I I know that to whom much is given, much is asked. And it is a big ask for me uh, to go into this race, but I'm in it and I'm in it to win it. That's phenomenal. Um, So I have a question for you. Uh, How, how would you advise some woman who's, who was there in the, the March um, in January uh, against the Trump uh, inauguration? And, you know, in essence, it's gotten very quiet. And I know we're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. How would you advise someone who says, I've, uh, there's, I've had enough, I'm going to step up, I'm going to be one of those women who is now in the political arena? How do you recommend that they get started? They need to find a woman candidate that they believe in, who they believe is someone that will stand against Trump and the values that he brings to the situation, and fight for that woman, volunteer for her campaign, give her money, help elect women. That's what we need. And women will bring other women in, but make sure it is a woman who is really about helping other women and who's about fairness and social justice. Unfortunately, we have some women and and some people in leadership. Our language has been co-opted. There are many people that will say, yes, I'm a progressive, I'm for civil rights for all people, I'm for equal justice, but when it comes time to vote, <laughs> they mm-hmm. do not vote the right way. They don't vote their values. And budgets, Delaney Easton, who's running for California governor, I heard her say budgets are statements of priorities. So get involved in a woman's campaign. Get involved at the school board, at the city council level. Ask them about the budget. Make sure that the, but that the money that we pay as taxpayers is being used to, to finance and underwrite the programs that are going to make a difference in the lives of young girls and women. That's okay, so what you I me- women. Yeah. You mentioned Delaney Easton, but you have another woman who uh, recently spoke up in, in the Senate about the health care bill. Um, would you speak just a bit on her and why she's an influence to you? She, I am so inspired by Senator Maisie Hirono. She came to this country as a Japanese immigrant. Uh, she's a senator from the state of Hawaii. Uh, she was raised by a single mother. She talked in a speech the night before the uh, repeal of the health care bill about her uniquely American experience and growing up as a poor immigrant and the path that brought her to the United States Senate. And she 
is someone who reflects the compassion that women have and the courage that women have. And the, and it is we know that when women are at the table, the conversation changes. Yes. And this this woman changed, I believe, the course of history because she is suffering herself and, and fighting cancer. She's on the fourth stage um, cancer. She's receiving treatment, and she left, interrupted her cancer treatment at fourth stage to go mm. back to Washington to be present on the floor to make that vote and to make this tremendously um, human speech about the compassion that everyone has for those who are sick, and she called upon the Republican senators and everyone in the Senate to show the compassion, for, to show the American people the same compassion that they had shown her. And I think that changed the course of history. And that is so inspiring, that she is a woman who has never forgotten where she came from and is and I essentially think, yeah. a servant leader. I think that's so It's impactful for all women um, to to recognize that we have the power. We do change the conversation when we step into the room. They may not stand up for you when you walk into the room, but you can change the conversation when you do walk into the room with that power and that influence. I think that's really key is the influence that we have. It's not command, it's influence. And uh, she, she is an inspiration to all of us. Um, so you have any thoughts on Delane Easton and her run for uh, mayor? Uh, she's running for governor. Governor, she's sorry, only, governor. Yeah, that's okay. She's the only woman <laughs> candidate in the race, so I think all women need to take a good look. We Absolutely. need to take a look at that. We we need to have a woman governor in California, but we need to have the right kind of woman mm-hmm. in that position that actually is going to fight for the rights of women, for the rights of children. What what excites me so much about Delane Easton is that, is her history and her experience as an educator. And mm. as I talked about at the beginning, education is the game changer. Oh, absolutely. And if we can persuade children and, and focus our attentions, our budget, <laughs> our priorities on educating our kids, we can change the world. Mm. And of course, the Dalai Lama says that it'll be the Western woman who changes the world, and I firmly believe that um, as well. Um, the other, I, I would love your thoughts on this. Inter- I think it's interesting. We're the only country. Well, I can't. Won't say that. We're one of the only large commanding countries that's never had a woman in the top role. I mean, Britain has had female. Uh, Prime Ministers, Israel has, and many of the other countries have had women in India even, uh, in key roles. What does that say about us and our women? Um, We have a long way to go. I mean, I think (laughs) we we do. We have a long way to go. My father used to love the commercial, the Virginia Slim cigarette commercial, and said, you come a long way, baby. My father used to tease me with that commercial, and I think about that, and I just know that we have such a long way to go. Um, Shirley Chisholm, the first black woman to run for president, 
she was a woman of incredible courage and vision to say, I'm not waiting for people to get ready for me. <laughs> right. I'm going to lead the way here. And she did. And uh, uh, Barack Obama talks about her role, the influence that she had on him. You talk about influence. He talks mm-hmm. about the influence that Shirley Chisholm had on him. And many people now, looking back, say, wow, what an incredible woman. I think that we we will get, obviously, we know we will eventually have a woman governor in California. We will have a mm-hmm. woman president in the United States of America. But... We still have a long way to go. It does say, it does not speak well for where we are in in the body politic. Right. So it's it, it to sort of sum it up. It's we're getting ready to get ready to be fabulous. Yes. That's right. <laughs> That's uh, Pamela, you you have a free gift for our listening audience. Would you like to tell them a little bit about it? Sure. I am a civil rights lawyer, <laughs> so I yes. do uh, provide legal services to consumers, to citizens, and I have, um, at, at, in honor of your program, I'm happy to offer a consultation free of charge. Normally I do charge for that, but I, mm-hmm. and it's, there's no time limit as my gift for um, this show is that I, and I do it in, in all my cases, a consultation means you get to tell me what it is you, what your problem is, what you need to know, what your questions are, and I answer them without regard to whether it's an hour or two hours or three hours. We just have a conversation. And so I'm, I'm prepared to offer that as a free gift to your listeners. Fantastic. So one last thought around the women who have inspired you um, as far as what have you taken away from them and, and how have you connected your life experiences with what they've shown you in their lives? The women who have inspired me, as I mentioned, Ida B. Wells, Shirley Chisholm, Dr. Um, Coretta Scott King, Senator Maisie Hirono, and so many so many other women, some famous, some not. Uh, I'm inspired by Delaine Easton right now because, she, you know, everybody's telling her she can't do it. She can't do it. There's no room. You're too late. Women <laughs> who listen, who hear this noise and say, oh, that's interesting, but they know who they are and they know why it's important to do what they're doing. And so they be, they they get about the business of doing it. And that inspires me, and I I hope that as I go through my um, challenges that I also inspire other women in that way. That no one, as as my pastor says, you only lose when you quit. Okay, and you're definitely not a quitter. So I would like to thank you, Pamela Price, for being our guest today. Uh, And... Uh, audience, if you have any questions or want to see how to dig deeper into the art of herding cats, and also if you would like access to Pamela's um, very wonderful free gift, please go to my website at www.dare2dreamwithlinda.com or send me an email at linda at that same daretodreamwithlinda.com. And until next time, be courageous and dare to lead. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Women's Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericawomen.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.